Welcome to Those Catholic Shrinks with Lisa and Regina, your favorite podcast about mind, body, and soul. Welcome. This is Regina, and you're listening to Those Catholic Shrinks with Regina and Lisa. Today's podcast is about preparing for marriage. We're going to give you today three steps to set your future marriage, your future relationship up for success. Love it. But first, mm-hmm. we got to talk about what we're drinking today. <laughs> we are going with something we've already had before because it's that good. It really is that yeah. good. Uh, we're doing the vanilla chai again. I mean, you could have this every day for really the rest could. of your life. It's, and- <laughs> I love it. <laughs> because who doesn't love vanilla, you know? Right. And, like, chai is lovely. When you take out the, like, inconveniences that come with caffeine, you're good to go. Exactly. I mean, why not? Why not just have? Just keep it going. <laughs> you know, when you find something good, you, you keep going with it. I love it. So I think in our society, novelty for novelty's sake is really, like, well, I've tried that, so I need to try something else. It's like, mm. why can't you just appreciate what's good and you already like? Yes, you're right. You're yeah. right. It's like, so this is totally random <laughs> comparison, but I love Parks and Recreation. Mm. And in one scene, Ron Swanson talks. He's like one of my favorite TV characters. He's a very like burly man, like <laughs> very much a guy's guy, but he's also very a very competent man, so he doesn't fall into that trope of idiotic man right you know right um like he builds like beautiful boats and like he's just awesome and so he talks about i've had the same hair like hair comb (laughs) for 30 years it's like because it works it's like you know sometimes you just got to keep using the same hair comb for 30 years so i'm gonna drink my vanilla chai and i'm gonna love it yes thank you puka for giving us a reason to continue (laughs) with the same tea i love it which is so, kind of like getting married and continuing with the same person. Ooh, I but like that. We did not plan that ahead of time. We did not. <laughs> but it's perfect. So yeah, so today we're going to give you three steps to make sure you set your marriage up for success. And step number one, you got to be smart while you're dating. Just be smart, okay? <laughs> How do you do that? Well, the first thing you need to be aware of is that lovely hormone called oxytocin Mm -hmm. that we've all heard of, the love hormone. Mm. And when a relationship is new and exciting, we sort of see everything with these rose-colored glasses. Everything's wonderful, Um, especially when you are high While you're dating, if you're high in the physical contact area, Mm. those levels of testosterone, dopamine, oxytocin, they're going to be extremely high. Yeah. And everything's going to be seeming wonderful. The best thing (laughs) ever. This is amazing. (laughs) And so that could cloud your decision making as far as, is this a good partner for me or not? Mm -hmm. Um, And so just making sure you're being aware of that. Because those hormones will fade anywhere from one to three years Mm. into the relationship. And so, you know, beware to anyone who, you know, is feeling really excited and wants to get married after one month. I've known you one month. This is perfect. Everything's great. (laughs) I know there are people who've done it in the past. Yes. But caution. (laughs) Yes. Well, Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And, uh, 
you know, making sure you're taking that time to make sure that you actually are compatible, that there is a genuine friendship there, mm-hmm. that we're not just being swept away by the romance and the happy feelings that you get when you're very physical. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think in addition to that, one other aspect of being smart is making sure that the person you're dating has the same level of commitment and intentionality about the relationship that you do. That's huge. Yeah. Like, do they intend to have a long-term mm-hmm. relationship or do they not? How do they treat other relationships in their life, their friends, their family, you know, what's their level of commitment to those other people? Yeah. And that could give you an idea of. Yeah. I would say, so one of the things of advice that I hear all the time, like, especially at wedding showers, it's like, they'll be giving like the bride advice is like, what's your number one piece of advice? I always hear good communication. Yes. Like, uh, well, before, which yeah, yes, accurate. <laughs> I'm not saying don't, I'm not saying communicate badly, mm-hmm. but I would say well before communication is commitment level. Yes. Like that is huge. You can, you can figure out how to communicate. You cannot figure out how to get the other person to be more committed to you. That is absolutely true. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And so these are all things that you can take care of before you get married to make sure that everything's in place. In addition to that, with the commitment level, Shared values is really important Mm -hmm. as well. You know, do you have the same morals and values? Those are what's going to be guiding you on the difference between right and wrong. Just like you said, if someone values, one of you values a long-term committed relationship and the other one doesn't, you're kind of, it's not going to work. Yeah. You can't learn how to like relearn that. It's just a difference of like who you are as people. Exactly. Um, I just came across this cool research study from Utah State University, and it's very recent, 2016. So mm. we can, you know, we can rely on this data a little bit. In research <laughs> world, that's very, that's that's very recent. Yes, very yeah. recent. Um, but they studied um, marital satisfaction, marital well-being, and they had separate categories for shared values. And they found that with the couples who shared had more shared values in common, they rated higher as far as levels of marital well-being, individual levels of happiness and satisfaction. Mm. And so there really does seem to be a significant, not always correlation, not necessarily correlation, but a significant um, showing Mm. of shared values leading to marital happiness and satisfaction. I know some people debate that from time to time and want to emphasize commitment level more, mm-hmm. which is very important as well. Um, but it does seem that once you have that shared, that kind of base layer of shared values in place, it just helps anything that comes up in the future of your marriage kind of happen more easily. Yeah. It eliminates some of those disagreements. Exactly. In a certain sense. Yeah. Well, and kind of like you had said earlier, like commitment level is some it is a value unto itself. Exactly. Yeah. And so you do, you need to be valuing those same things. And it made me think when you, you know, when you said, you know, I know people used to get married after a month mm-hmm. and like they made it work. Like those, those tend to be from a very different generation. Yeah. And I would say they tend to be from the greatest generation. Mm. I haven't heard of a lot of people in earlier or more recent generations that that has right. worked well for them. Right. And I think that's because back then everybody tended to have the same values. Ooh, yes. If that makes sense. So you yes. were more likely if you were like, 
oh my gosh, this is wonderful and I love you and let's get married. Like society in general just shared a lot of the same values. So your likelihood of marrying somebody with similar values worked out better. And it's kind of the same in um, non-individualistic societies. They are, what's the opposite of individualistic? Collectivistic. Thank you. Collectivistic societies where something like arranged marriages are more likely. Right. What do they have in common? They tend to share the same values. Right. And you know what's interesting? um, I haven't watched the show, but what's that reality show that's out where you... The blind, I forget oh. what it's called, the blind marriage or something. Oh, I haven't heard of this. It's this new, sh- well, it's relatively new show. I think it's had a few seasons out, but um, people basically feel like they've had bad luck with dating mm-hmm. and they really want to get married. And so they've agreed to go on the show, go through these questionnaires and evaluations of psychologists and um, get let somebody match them. And it's basically a blind date wedding. Oh my gosh. So they agree to like meet for each other, see each other in person for the first time on their wedding day. Oh, oh. And you follow these people through that journey. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and supposedly, you know, I haven't watched the show, but what I've heard is by the end of the season, all of them have agreed to stay married. What? And I think it has something to do with what you're saying about the values. Yeah. Is maybe at first, because I feel like I've seen a few commercials for it in clips where once they reveal and see what the other person looks like, some people have been crying and really upset because they didn't feel sexually attracted to that person or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. But by the end of the season, they somehow realized they were really compatible. (laughs) And that was because they went through that whole evaluation process. Wow. Yeah, so to your point of how important that is. (laughs) I don't know if they would let you get married in a Catholic church. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that fascinating, though? Yes. Because so many people, it's just like, you think like, oh my gosh, I just have to be, there has to be fire and passion. Mm -hmm. And yes, there does need to be that. And it's not a... Which one? It's and. Right. And there needs to be shared values. Like exactly. you can have passion for somebody. And if the values and the, the commitment level isn't there. That's going to fizzle out real quick. Yes, it is. Yep. And I think passion can grow out of shared values. Amen. Yeah. yeah. So. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that's step one. Be smart. Be smart. Okay. Yes. And communication is not the number one thing. <laughs> You can learn how to communicate. Like, there's books. <laughs> Shared value is not something that... Right. It's hard to communicate. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so step two. This one's fun. <laughs> As a therapist, for me at least, this yeah. one's fun. Because exactly. I don't mind this. Yeah. It's ask uncomfortable questions. Yes. Because this is where the juicy stuff comes out. And honestly, it goes back to step one, which is this is where you're actually going to start learning what are their values? Right. You know, because there's a difference between, we both like rock climbing. Great. That's not a value. Exactly. That's a hobby. Right. That's an interest. Yep. Not Not the value. same thing. Right. You're going to start figuring out if you share the same values when you ask a question that makes you squirmy inside. Right. So if it's, what's your favorite movie? That You're not asking about shared values. No. If it's, I like this one. Are you open to the church's teaching about children? Mm-hmm. 
and being open to life in marriage. Mm-hmm. That's a squirmy question. Exactly. That's going to make you feel like, ooh, do I want to ask this? Right. You know? And if, you, if you're, if you like, coming up to that 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 point where you're like, ooh, I don't know if I want to hear the answer, mm-hmm. then you need to ask that question. You need to ask. Absolutely. <laughs> if you're scared of what the answer is, <laughs> ask the question. Exactly. Exactly. Because <laughs> that means it's the important question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, we put together some categories for this and I think children is a good one to start with. Children's a very important one. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're planning to build a life with someone, have a marriage, you're going to have God willing children that come from that marriage. And so, you know, you need to talk about that. Yeah. How many kids would you hope to have? Or do you believe God is calling you to have? Mm -hmm. Right. Have a conversation about that. Cause one of you could think 16. Yeah. And one of you could think one. Or zero. Yeah, exactly. That's a very big difference. Yeah. And again, kind of like, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, that's not something you can necessarily change about the other person Mm -hmm. or sit and hope that maybe it will change. Right. And it's funny, that's, this isn't even just a Catholic thing either. Like you see this in sitcoms all the time. Like Mm -hmm. how I met your mother, Mm -hmm. like he wants a bunch of kids and Robin doesn't want like any. And then they're like, oh, it'll be fine. We'll figure it out. And then you start realizing like, oh, no, that's a hurdle you cannot jump over. No, that one you will not figure out. No. You need to figure that out ahead of time. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, And like, have you you actually discerned that for yourself too? Exactly. That's another good question. Exactly. Because sometimes you don't even know yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And along with that, like, are you going to have the same discipline style too? Mm. Because once you've had the kiddos, like I, I tell my teenagers all the time, especially when they're around college time and trying to figure out what school they want to go to. Mm-hmm. Look, honey, there's only two permanent choices you make in life. Your spouse and children. <laughs> Those are two permanent choices. <laughs> um, and once you've had your kids, like that, that other person is their parent. Right. Right. And you're going to have to find a way to make whatever that parenting style work. Mm-hmm. And... Again, this goes back to like you were, you were saying at the beginning, be smart in dating. Right. And it means asking uncomfortable questions. What? How's your plan and discipline? Mm-hmm. If they're like, oh, all about the corporal punishment, and you're like, oh, no, no, right. no, no. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Then it means you need to have further conversation or, you know, how were you disciplined as a child? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we repeat what we've been shown, what we've been told, mm-hmm. and we need to be aware of that, of what can be playing a factor in those things. <laughs> um, yeah, our family of origin is huge yeah. when it comes to stuff like that. Because yeah. there's some things that you decide, I love the way my family did this, and this is the way my family did it, and we're doing it this way. And then there's right. other things where it's like, oh, I hate the way my family did that, and mm-hmm. I do not I do not choose that. Right. Um, and especially if it's like something your family did, and you want to keep it, that's, that's a hard battle to have exactly. if your spouse does not want the same thing. Exactly. Um, like a mild one that I'm thinking of is Santa. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So even not discipline style. This this just seems silly. But you'd be surprised how huge arguments get over something like, my parents didn't lie to me about Santa. I knew Santa didn't exist. And this isn't something you're going to really figure out until your kids are like three or four years old. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, so there's lots of questions around children that you have to start asking. Absolutely. 
what about if you're both from different religions or different Christian denominations? Mm. How, what do you plan on raising the children? You yep. know, if you're getting married in the Catholic Church, you would be agreeing to raise them Catholic. But if you make another choice, you know, yeah, what what have you discussed that? And I've heard this a lot too, like especially um, in where couples maybe don't agree necessarily on that beforehand. And they're just like, well, you go to your church on Sunday and I'll go to my church on Sunday and that's how we'll solve it. But again, they don't think about, well, when we have kids. So if you're right. Catholic and you want to raise the kids Catholic, but maybe now your spouse is saying, I don't want them to receive the sacraments. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're hitting this wall that is huge for you. Right. And how do you navigate that? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, Kind of getting back to family, away from kids as much, but in-laws. Yes, in-laws. <laughs> so much fun. Um, how involved are they going to be? How not involved are they going to be? How much say are they going to have? How much mm-hmm. not say mm-hmm. are they going to have? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like if one, this I see a lot of, one partner has a huge family that's super involved in their life. And the other partner, their family, is kind of like hands off, lets them do their own thing. Mm-hmm. And then one family kind of like takes over mm-hmm. your life. Mm-hmm. And it's like all of your holidays are spent with that family. Right. Because like this is what we do and this is what we've always done. And like right. every holiday is super special. And mm-hmm. um, Sundays are always spent at that family's house. And mm-hmm. how can you not go to this person's wedding? I know that the other side of your family has the same wedding that same weekend. But mm-hmm. This is your second cousin, third removed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So sometimes even just general size. Yeah. Relative sizes of the different families has a huge impact to play. Absolutely. Yeah. And making sure you have those conversations because, you know, not necessarily that if you both have different answers, if one of you says, well, it's really important for me to spend Christmas with my family. Oh, well, it's really important for me to spend Christmas with my family, right? Yeah. That doesn't mean that your relationship is doomed and you no. can't have a successful marriage. It just means that, okay, you had different ideas and thoughts about how you would spend the holidays. So that means you need to have further discussion Yep. on figuring out what that would look like for the new family that you're going to create together. Mm-hmm. So that way, when you're in it, you don't feel like you've been deceived. Exactly. Because that's a huge feeling. Like, I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. Well, just because you both didn't take the time. Right. To ask these questions. To ask the question. This one is, I think it's probably the most uncomfortable one. Money. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, and I think, again, family of origin really influences money. Yeah. You know, were you raised in a family who maybe went through some financial hardship and you had to count and pinch every penny mm-hmm. as opposed to the person that you're currently dating who maybe came from a more affluent background and doesn't even think about where money comes from or knows how hard <laughs> it, it takes to work. And so all of a sudden you're married and you see this exorbitant amount of spending happening. Yeah. And it gives you severe anxiety because you're thinking <laughs> about the lights getting shut off. <laughs> and... Your partner is just not even, doesn't even occur to them. There's yeah. not a care in the world. You know? And maybe maybe both of your incomes can take that on, but that's still something that's very different from you. This goes back to the value system too. Mm-hmm. Like 
do you value spending that much or do you right. value being frugal and minimalism? And there's all of these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that comes to things like having a shared bank account versus separate bank accounts. That's right. a really big one. Right. Um, and who has access to what? Mm-hmm. And are you considering like, so you have both have different incomes because I mean, I've never heard of any couple having the exact same income. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so somebody is going to earn more. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, does that change who gets to make choices about things or whose, whose voice has carries more weight or doesn't right. carry more weight? Right. If somebody is staying at home and isn't working. Exactly. What does that mean? Exactly. If that person who's staying home all of a sudden decides, you know what? I actually want a career. Mm-hmm. Is that a conversation that you can, again, that comes to values. Exactly. Like, does the other spouse value having a stay-at-home parent? Right. And like, I, I want a family with a stay-at-home parent. Right. Or could you be working and all of a sudden say, oh my gosh, I've changed my mind. Right. I feel like I want to stay home with the kids. Is that a conversation that you've had beforehand? Exactly. It's massive. Huge, um, huge. And are you are you willing to, I guess, what are your views on that? Are you willing to look at it, even if you were to have sub-bank accounts, but are you willing to change your views as far as um, this is our household and this is how we run our household and mm-hmm. this is a joint venture? Yes. As opposed to my money, your money. Yep. Don't tell me what to do with my money. Yep. <laughs> right. And so, again, very important questions, uncomfortable questions that mm-hmm. need to be said. And then step three, plan and prepare. <laughs> Just plan. Just yep. make sure you're prepared. Um, some pro tips we can give you guys. I think first you would want to find a marriage preparation course. Mm-hmm. So that's one easy way to plan and prep. Um, a lot of marriage prep courses, especially if you're here in this diocese in Orlando, um, provide that for you. Um, if you get married through your local church, you can just, you automatically get enrolled in a marriage prep course Yep, and gives you a discount on your marriage license. Love that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but if you're not, if that doesn't happen in your area, there's many online courses you can find. Ah, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Foryourmarriage.org is a good one. Foryourmarriage.org or catholicmarriageprep.com are both good uh, places you can go to get online courses. Hmm. Yeah. That's especially good if you're like a couple that's super busy and needs like flexible timing. Exactly. Um, but I, I didn't know that there were online marriage courses. Yeah. That's really cool. And then premarital counseling. Yes. We're clearly we're, we are <laughs> pro premarital counseling. <laughs> Well, what's awesome about the premarital counseling is it helps you go more in depth, right? So you go to a marriage prep course, you're maybe there for eight hours for the day or something, and you learn about all these important conversations that we've been talking about, children, Mm -hmm. money, whatever, but you don't really have the time to focus on your specific needs as a couple. Yeah. And I think that's the difference with premarital counseling Mm -hmm. is you really can delve a lot deeper into those individual needs for yeah. you. And you could even hear us as we were talking about the uncomfortable questions. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't even scratch the surface. Exactly. Because I can think of a million different unique individual scenarios where it's like, 
okay, like that's just because you are two incredibly unique individuals coming together. So like there's right. no way to say these are all the questions you should ask. Right. Because everybody is, there's like an infinite number of possibilities of mm-hmm. how, there's no one right way to arrange your marriage. Exactly. Because there's like an infinite number of unique individuals. Right. So your marriage is always going to be different from everybody else's. Exactly. And so something like premarital counseling will take your individual differences as a couple into account. Absolutely. And, you know, research shows that couples who participate in a marriage prep course have a 30% lower chance of divorce. Mm. Um, if you join marriage prep or a marriage enrichment program, you report higher levels of satisfaction. And 80% of couples who go through an 8 to 10 hour marriage education course stay together. I'm sorry, how much? <laughs> 80%? 80% of couples who participate in a marriage preparation course end up staying together. Huh. So a very qua- a quality marriage, I guess we should say. <laughs> Qualify that, yeah. Um, don't just do like a 20 minute like thing online and yeah. think that's going to... But... Um, it's totally worth it. That's incredible because isn't isn't the divorce rate right now above 50%? It is. I think it's close to 60 now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it makes sense because my guess is these premarital courses, at least any of the ones that I've seen, mm-hmm. all focus on, like, asking uncomfortable questions. Mm-hmm. What are the values? These are choices you need to make ahead of time. And so my guess isn't that, like, it takes everybody who goes to that course and says, we fixed you. What it does is probably a lot of people start going through that course and realize this, not everybody, but some people might start realizing maybe this isn't the choice I should make. Exactly. And then they go on and they find the right person who does share the same values. Exactly. Exactly. Or it gets everybody on the same page. Exactly. It makes you hopefully realize, oh, I've never thought about that. We should have this conversation Mm -hmm. and hopefully bring you closer. Yeah. Exactly. That's beautiful. So yeah, so those are the three easy steps you can take. One, be smart. (laughs) (laughs) Two, ask those uncomfortable, squirmy questions. And three, plan and prepare. And if you do those three things, you know, while you're dating and Mm -hmm. leading up to marriage, you should be setting yourself up for a pretty successful life together. I love that. Now, that was a lot. So if you have any questions for us. Yes. Please shoot us an email at thosecatholicshrinks at gmail.com. Yes, or if you want to suggest a tea that you want us to drink. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, send us an email. Yeah, we always like that. Tell us, give us some ideas, you know. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, thanks for joining in, guys. We will see you next time. Bye.